Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ and my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Today's guest is on Twitter a lot. He is on Twitter a lot. <laughs> Fazamania. He hasn't put his Twitter handle, but it's Fazamania. Yeah, it's it's it Paul for it. Hi Paul, how are you? Yeah, hi Russ, very well, thank you. How's things? How's How are you in this weird world we live in now, this weird corona-esque world? Yeah, strange. Um... I had a bad dose of COVID, oh, actually. So back in March, April, I had sort of 16 days battling away and then a six-week recovery. So it's it, it's almost one of the reasons why I started watching your videos because there's, there's nothing else to do. Nothing, nothing better to do. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and, here, and now we've come full circle, Paul, and now you're going to be on one of the videos. So I know. Really this is really strange. Really yeah. strange. So having watched, nice. watched many, many of the videos. What Excellent. am I, the 196 guest or something? Very, very close. Very. Okay. Is, I, I have to. I have to um, calculate it because. I hopefully will have a very good guest on my 200th guest, but I've got to make sure I interview him at the right time. Otherwise, yeah. it's going to be completely out of the, out of sync. But uh, no, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's got a bit crazy to be honest. Um, for what was an idea just beginning of beginning of lockdown, really, it's gone a bit mental. But, yes, uh, yes, it is, it is what it is. But um, you know, you at know, least... it, I'll tell you, it's a really good set of videos. I've really cool. enjoyed them, and I think it's a it's a fantastic idea. And yeah, I've, I, I think they've been great. And uh, it's the, the word that keeps coming out the whole time is nostalgia. Yeah. So it's really nice to sort of get some nostalgic views from from other fans as well, not just players, but fa- well, the players is interesting, but fans yeah. as well. Yeah. And just listening to other people's sort of perspectives. Yeah. On, on West Ham, because obviously I have my own, but yeah. uh, it comes from a certain place. Yes. And then obviously, but on Twitter, I've connected with obviously lots of fans as well, which is it's great to see some of them. 
So talking about West Ham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you imagine you could put more the, the face or the face of the name a bit better, you know, because it's otherwise people are just hid behind 140 characters. Then, isn't it? It's all yeah. together. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm anonymous on Twitter only because it's just how it started out. Because I've got, I've got a full time job, mm. and I didn't want people sort of sort of raking through the internet looking at my name and look at me ranting about West Ham, and. Uh, <laughs> And then tracking me down essentially, but yeah, uh, yeah it's good to uh, yeah, it's good to connect with people. And, and probably over the last three or four years, I have got active on Twitter and other social media just because the fans have kind of come out of the woodwork. True, yeah. So you know, I watch all the sort of podcasts. The West Ham Way was the first one I started watching. Mm. Um, so that was Dave and X, and sort of following you know X obviously had some good information on transfers, which which worked very well. And, and you know more sort of latterly sort of Gonzo and Geo on uh, Hammers chat. So yeah, no, it's good. It is. Uh, it's there's uh, plenty to watch now, <clears throat> which is good because like you know it, you know it just seems that there's. I mean, obviously you've got X and Date West Ham. Why you got Corey now doing the YouTube channel now, which is quite good. And yeah, you've got obviously yeah the Hammers chat guys. You've obviously got West Ham fan TV. You've got Irons United. You've got three hammers. You've got JP. So, you know, you've got a whole bunch and more than yeah. just, I'd say more than just a podcast as well. Otherwise, Nigel Card and Sean before we beat Yeah, that's true. So, no, I, well, I listen to that as well. And stop, and stop hammer time as well. <coughs> they're all, we, you know, they're all friends of the channel, but um, and, and, and the USA guys. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys, if anyone out, but I don't think I am yeah. now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's loads of stuff. And I think particularly during lockdown, it was a lot of people turned to that because it was like regular content, wasn't it? Because like on telly, there's nothing. And yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, you know, YouTube viewership has gone up like so much because of that. And, um, but it's great. It's great. And, you know, as you said, nostalgia is what I do. So as, as our channel, all those yeah. other guys, they, they talk about all the current stuff and, and good luck to them. But I just do nostalgia because I can't get in trouble with that. Morning. No, exactly. Well, nostalgia is a good thing because probably most of my best memories are, West Ham from 30 or 40 years ago. So I'm, I'm 52 next week. So that gives you, you know, I saw my first match in 77. Mm. So, you know, I was nine, eight, nine years old. So we're talking 43, 44 years. But uh, my, my one, one thing that's come across on the channel, most people's best memories seem to be of a certain age group. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be sort of their teenage years, yeah. uh, their early 20s when they really sort of got into West Ham and, yeah. uh, you know, they seem to be the sort of favourite times. You, know, you sort of see it through rose-tinted spectacles. Yeah. Very much so. I think it's because I remember someone mentioned that they do say, you know, your favourite music's from that sort of uh, late late teens, early 20s. That's yeah. the type of music you like. And I think it's the same true with football because it's that coming of age, isn't it, where you could go to the pub and you could probably go on your own, go with your mates, go away games, all that type of stuff. And so... Yeah, naturally, your eyes are more widened to that sort of, and it's true for me. You know, it's like my I was ninety two, so sort of the early two thousands were sort of late two thousands, early two thousands were sort of my my sort of your era, my my yeah, my rose tinted yeah. glasses era, and I've been very fortunate to interview obviously some players from that era as well. So yeah, it's like you know, wow, you know. <laughs> For me, I got more excited interviewing um, Pete Butler than 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 Macca, for example. Sorry, Macca, I know he watches, but yeah. do you know what I mean? Because it's like my my era was Pete Butler and and Trevor Sinclair's and Martin Allen's and people like John that. So, oh, super John, yeah. And we've just yeah. and and this this one uh, the day after your video is going up, Paul. There's a great X Hammer, my all time 
number one X Hammer. It's not my all-time number one. No, I say it wrong. He's the only player I've had on the back of my shirt ever. And, oh, I, yeah. and I interviewed him, so he'll be on tomorrow. So it'd be very good. But anyway, we can we can wait for that one. We're talking about you. You took uh, no. I made a choice. Marco Booger's exclusive. No, 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 no. no James, uh, James Jones, and we are West Ham podcast. I knew there's another one I forgot. He's got a Marco Booger's shirt, but um, I'm pretty sure it's the only one that was made in circulation. No, you have to wait and see. But okay. it's, it's a good laugh. It's a good. It's a. It's a right giggle. But anyway, um, so what about you today, Paul? Not about the other, other guests and stuff. Yeah, channel. What about yeah. you and, and your West Ham journey? So obviously, you said 77 was roughly sort of your first game. Yes. When. When did you become a West Ham fan? What was your sort of origin story? Yeah, well, I mean, my dad was born in the area, uh, born and sort of bred in the area. So he lived in a road called Aragon Road. Um, so it, it comes from Catherine of Aragon, of course, you know, yeah. and Berlin is the Berlin grounds. There's a series of roads, if you know the area, uh, Par Road and, yes. uh, and the like. Um, so literally lived five, six hundred yards from the ground. Um, so it's in his DNA. It was in my DNA as well. Um, he used to go with his with his dad. Uh, his his grandfather went and beyond that. So in fact, if you track the family traits uh, history, you could probably go right back sort of hundred years to the very beginnings. Um, and all my family back you know before them were sort of boilermakers. So they they were probably sort of worked in the docks and worked in the. Uh, um, shipping business which is sort of the early roots of west ham really uh, most of the chicken run were dockers in the 70s um so it was in my dna but i mean as it happens i was born in plumstead so i was kind of the i'm the sort of the, i say first generation the a generation that's popped out of the east end yeah so i'm a i'm a sort of fake east ender really um even though it's kind of runs in my blood so it's it's always interesting listening to so again some of the other guys who are sort of born and bred in the area um but obviously you know it, it does run through my veins and mm. uh, we could talk about it a bit but obviously all my rituals in in the early 70s were based around you know going up to my nans who used to live in Aragon road and you know we had a routine yeah, yeah. so you know we used to I live in Kent now, I lived in Kent back then, but that was before the M25 was built. So we used to drive up at sort of nine or 10 in the morning. And, and again, you have to, this will, for younger fans, they won't kind of understand this, no. but back then you didn't have to be a season ticket holder. You could just say, today's the day we're going to go and watch West Ham. And we would, we would jump in the car and drive up and we'd go to my nan's, we'd have a bacon sandwich, you'd always have a cup of tea on the go. She'd always put two bollards outside of the road because the whole road is full <laughs> of bollards. So you've got, you've got your parking space. Um, and then she would pop out, you know, just at the point where we drove up. And, yeah, we'd walk in. Obviously, the excitement was raging at that point because you could yeah. see the ground as we drove up. It was an enormous structure. And, uh, you know, then we would sort of at a certain time back then. It used to be about one third. Every game was at three o'clock on a Saturday yeah. afternoon. Um, so we had to leave at a certain time. Always had to leave about one twenty, one fifteen, because if you had a child with you, you had to get a spot by the, um, uh, you know, the, the the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because if you didn't get a spot by the bar, you would just get pushed over by all the fans. Because back then it was all standing. So whenever we scored a goal, you'd move forward about six or seven rows. You just go flying. 
So, you know, my dad would always try and get me the bar and we'd stand behind the bar. I'd have a little box or a seat back then. It was like a little sort of child's seat and you'd stand on the seat. So I'd be the same height as all the fans around me. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was just a case of it, it was standing back then as well, which was always interesting. So from 77 to what, 94, it was all standing. So, yeah. So for me, that's why that era was kind of special to me. And in fact, really post-94, um, the, the game kind of died a bit for me. Mm. Not completely. I still went to watch West Ham and sat in the seats and everything. But even to this day, you can't beat that that period where you know, no. you're standing with everybody else and sort of soaking up the vibes, the atmosphere, the smells and, and everything associated with it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... So it does run through my DNA. It's going to run through the family. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my son's a West Ham fan. Most of the family are. But, um, and, and in fact, my nan always used to, she, there's a family myth. It's, it's um, I don't know how true it is because it's a myth. But um, she always claimed that she dated Bobby Moore's father. <laughs> and uh, she always said that if, if she'd have carried on that relationship, she'd have ended up having Bobby Moore as a son, which would have been great. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's such a West Ham thing, isn't it? Because like, we, we, live, we live in the, the old, and if it hadn't sold Lampard and Rio, we'd have, been, we'd have won the Premier League. And da, da, da. it's yeah, always, but, if only he's a West Ham. She would have had Bobby Moore the plumber, not Bobby Moore the. Uh... <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's all fantastic. Well, I said, no, you know, the, the great thing about the fact that you sort of broke up that relationship is we ended up with Bobby Moore. Yeah, and he, and yeah, exactly. And who knows what would have happened yeah, from 66 onwards, isn't it? So it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. But used to sell doors. cigarettes in the 30s, just outside the ground. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of a rich history. And, um, mm. you know, even my dad, my dad's first game was in 46. I still go with my dad and my brother, by the way. Wow. So, you know, he's coming up 82. My brother sort of comes along with me as well. Comes along with me. They, they, they come to football. Um and uh, yeah, my dad, it was interesting when he did the Richard Digens video because yeah. he was talking about Ken Tucker's sweet shop. Now, I've heard the same story from my dad year after year after year. You know, at the end of school, they'd go down to Ken Tucker's sweet shop and he used to, you know, used to say, ask him whether he was playing on the Saturday. And yeah, that's what he used to do. He used to run a sweet shop in the week, play for West Ham on the Saturday. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, it's like someone, I can't remember who I interviewed, and apologies because they'll, they'll mention it straight away. Someone <coughs> I interviewed um, went to buy. It was their birthday, and they went to the sports Bobby Moore's sports shop across the road from the ground, yeah, and it. was sold and was sold his birthday tracksuit from by Bobby Moore. It's just right. like it's okay. like nowadays, it's just mental. You wouldn't get, yeah. as I said, you wouldn't get, I don't know, um, Sebastian Hallow in in Sports Direct or you know, it's just. But even when I took my uh, when I took my son to his first game, which was back at Upton Park, he's eighteen, yeah, uh, sixteen now, coming up seventeen. Um, so he, he managed to see a bit of Upton Park football. Mm, mm. We went to Ken's Caf just for a you know a bite to eat, yeah. and uh, I thought, crikey, the amount of history that's probably run through that place crazy. is incredible. But um, crazy. But yeah. I remember you, when you mentioned about the bollards, I always I, I forgot completely forgot about the bollards and wheelie bins, and they'd always you know you'd go down around the back by the where the, uh, the statue is now but all the way down that long road there and yeah. there was all the bollards up and oh god yeah. i just remember that my my granddad of his massive car was just like 
nudge them just so he can get in. That's so, the it, poor, yeah. so the poor bollards are probably about this far apart now. You can get smart car in them now, but uh, no. Oh god. Well, what was interesting is after the match, you'd come, you'd come out, and the whole place would be buzzing whether you'd won yeah. or not. Yeah. And you'd come back, and along all the all the all the houses, generally the women it sounds a bit sexist, but generally the women would stand outside the front waiting for the guys to come back in from the football. Sure. Um, and you would see them all just, you know, one by one jumping into their houses and they'd all ask the result. As You'd have to tell them the result 10 times, you know, as you walk past. Well, how do we get on? How do we get on? Yes, how, do so play? how do we, you know, how do we score? So, because um, there's a, if, if you know the area again, Aragon Road, there's a, there's a cut through. I think it's uh, Cabot Way. Uh, yeah. I think you go down Cabot Way and then you cut through some flats and then you sort of do a sort of little jig through the streets, and then obviously you end up with the sort of sides of the of the North Bank, which is where I spent. You know, that's where we used to stand in the North Bank. Um, so we spent all our times just standing behind. You know, the goal probably nineteen or twenty rows back, because yeah. we used to like to see the ball thumping in the net um, rather than sort of get the side view. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We used to look up at the guys in the whatever that would be the west stand, I think, or the east stand. Either, yeah. you know, the rich guys who had the seats and the plush, plush, uh, you know, sort of facilities. They always used yeah. to turn up about five minutes before the game, because back then the uh, the entertainment on the pitch was unusual. Because you used to have a marching band. Yeah. Did you ever watch West Ham when that happened? No, no. But we, we recreated oh, it, didn't man. we? We tried to recreate it a few times. So. Um, we did the uh, the the famous Ipswich game. We we put on the the, the post horn gallop, and we got the guy and did all that. But yeah, no, I'm right. we used to, uh, yeah not on not not live <coughs> originally, but obviously we tried to we've done tried to recreate. It. And obviously when it comes to like Christmas and sort of Remembrance Sunday, we always try and get a, get a get a band on, don't we? To you know sort of the, the British Legion or something like that to do it. Yeah, but not yeah. the original marching bands for sure. Yeah. But there used to be Upton Park. There used to be that little box, didn't there? Which I think, I presume, it held the DJ in there, did it? And the it was, it was downstairs, yeah. So where you had the police control room, and it was almost like a porter cabin on stilts. And then, and then when we moved into the new stand, that's why I, when I started working there, because obviously we couldn't. The, the, the announcer Jeremy couldn't get up and down the stairs, so that's why I was up there. But yeah, it used to be a little box, yeah, with the yeah. DJ and the and the and the police used to be in there as well. Yeah, and then before the game, they'd always play the, the whistling song. What was that whistling song? Do you remember the, the name of that? Uh, I think I've got it here somewhere. Uh, whistling Jack Smith. Whistling I was Kaiser Bill's Batman. Have you ever heard of that? No, 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 but I'm going to have to Google it. You're going to have to look it up. It yeah. yeah, just look it up. They always used to play that. and We used to whistle away because so, there, was, there was no entertainment. For an hour and a half, yeah. you just stare at the pitch. Um, and, uh, you know, the, actually, I mean, in the 70s, the only entertainment really was you'd get a bit of hooligan. There was a lot of a hooliganism back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the trouble was always in the South Bank. So, um, and you used to count the arrests before the game because there was, <laughs> it was always loads of police, big, big police presence of West Ham in the 70s. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember counting them. To this day, I still remember the numbers. I remember getting to about 16, and that, that, was, a, that was a good day. Uh, and you know, three or four, if there was, you know, because it was separate. The south, the south bank was split, obviously, into away fans and home yeah, fans. Yeah, and you could yeah. almost reach through the bars and and, uh, and get at the away supporters. Uh, wow. And some people used to jump out and jump in and, and yeah, have a yeah. Go. 
I mean, I remember when I used to sit, when I was with my, me and my grand and my brother, we used to sit in the Centenary Upper, last front row and bang in the middle. And that was my entertainment was just look, <coughs> literally looking over and looking at all the, all the away fans and the chicken one, just having a, just shouting at each other. Yeah. And just screw And yeah, it's just so funny because it's just so yeah. much entertainment just by watching them. And, uh, yeah, didn't even notice the hammerettes, and I was a thirteen-year-old boy at the time. So here we go. Um, yeah, but uh, as I mean, as the crowd used to fill up, we used to um, there used to be a there used to be a peanut man as well. I don't know whether you've heard this, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Used to walk around with a big bag of peanuts, just shouting, you know, peanuts, peanuts. And uh, and if you wanted a bag, he would he would he would be fifteen yards away, but you could never get through the crowd because it was absolutely bristling. Yeah, and uh, he'd throw this bag of peanuts at you from fifteen yards, and you know, hit you smack on the nose normally. It was a it was a good shot. So, well, I don't know what ever happened to that peanut man. I'd love to know. But uh, oh, someone out there will probably know who he is. Yeah, yeah, someone will know who he is. And uh, if he's if he's he's probably not still around, bless him, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a funny world, isn't it? When you you, you talk about it then, and you look at it now, and like you know peanuts it's popcorn now it was peanuts now it's popcorn yeah. you know it's it's uh it's there's not much chat yeah it's, it's like it's just progression with time isn't it it's quite funny it's very, yeah people think we never had things like that but we did we had peanuts i mean okay you know exactly. <laughs> we had peanuts yeah you have peanuts also, and you exactly so half time was a treat as well um, and, and definitely if you got a meat pie that was you're well up there you know you were you were floating if you had a bovril and a meat yeah. pie Bloody hell! So, yeah. That's yeah. if you got to, got to the queue, isn't it? It was always like this horde of and go well, the for a wee and stuff as well. Yeah, it was just a mob basically. Yeah. And if you wanted to go to the toilet, it was you know it was impossible. So <laughs> you used to spend you know, as we know, you used to see the trickles come down the uh, oh, you know, the, the steps. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. You think of it that particularly in this sort of hyper hygienic world we live in now, you know, streams oh. of piss going down the street. Is like, the London oh, Stadium is like a, a dental surgery compared to uh, Upton oh, Park. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, in the seventies, even the toilets Upton Park was it was a gutter. I mean, it literally was a you know concrete gutter. It wasn't yeah. it didn't even have urinals. Oh, God. So it seems like a long time. It seems like I'm talking about a different world. But, yeah, uh, it's great. But even if I'm being funny, even six months ago, you spoke. You speak about having you know sixty thousand fans in the stadium. Yes. That now it's like no, no, probably not for another you know until at least uh, gone Christmas. So it's um yeah it's it's not a long time ago, but it's I mean as you said like in the last six months the world's completely changed as well. So it's um you know when when, when obviously when the obviously you're not there and you know you're watching on telly and stuff in the you know the, the the West Ham games and stuff. Do you and your family watch it with the crowd noise on or the crowd noise off? Um, I'm a crowd noise on, um, just because I think I've tuned my brain into believing yeah. that the crowd are there. So, in fact, if you watch the games at Old Trafford, they've got sort of you know, the, the pictures on the seats are like are a crowd, aren't they? There's yeah. Sort of different shades of colours. Yeah, from a fight, like it looks like it. Yeah. I think it's, it was. I think it was it's my league. No, it's not the same. It's not. I mean, I. It's. I mean, I. Even now, it's like I have to. Even when there, it's. I could never hear the crowd anyway because it's like my box is like a soundproof box anyway. So, yeah. but you could hear it would rumble. You'd hear rumbles. So the floor would rumble, and so now it's so quiet that I have to put on. 
our friends at Hammers Chat or Irons United or West Ham, you know, the, the watch-alongs, just yeah. to have a bit of something going on in the background because otherwise it's just so quiet. Yeah. It's awful. It's How awful. long have you but been doing that business now? 20 years. So, so, okay. so yeah, so basically when we moved, when, when that little box got taken down and the, what was, well, I don't know what it ended up being called. The Alpari stand, the Rio stand, the Dr. Martin yeah. stand, the the West End. When that when that sort of was developed, um, yeah, basically Jeremy Nicholas, who was the announcer, couldn't um, couldn't get up the stairs quick enough, and so to be pitched on. So he was like, yeah, do you know? And I just emailed him for something else, and you know, again, serendipitous sliding doors moment, and yeah, um, yeah I've just kept my nose clean and kept quiet. And I've been there for twenty years, so um, You've been a very good job, Russ. Yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> pressing that buff, press, pressing that button for bubbles. Pressing that bubbles button is very impressive. I think it's uh, someone some asked me the other day. I think I must have pressed it, made press that song and played that song over a thousand times. Um, yeah. probably even more so now, but yeah, oh god, I've yeah. got the original vinyl seven inch single, brilliant. So, because uh, it. It, it was on sale at one point, I mean, I'd, it's in my loft somewhere, I'd have to dig it out, but um, yeah, it's been going a long time. Yeah, and 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 it's not, but I think I don't think it's necessarily about the about the crowds and going and stuff like that, and the crowd noise and stuff like that. But as you said, it's about you know it's three generations of your family go to West Ham, you know, and it's and you know it's about the routine, it's about going to the same place, going to, standing up, you know, going to the the same cafe or, or going to the same pub. And yes, I think that's what people are missing at the moment. It's that. Sort yeah, of... it, it is the rituals. Uh, yeah, we went to the uh, the playoff final. Uh, against Blackpool, yeah, and um, yeah, it was interesting. It was the first time my son had been to, you know, uh, a, a big match, you know, a final of some kind. Because obviously, if you'd have told me back in 1980 we're never going to win another thing again for 40 yeah. years, I'd have been you could knock me over with a feather. You yeah. know, we won the FA Cup twice in six years, League Cup finals, and you know, sort of a, a, a race for the title. But um, so, you know, those Wembley finals were great. And uh, yeah, we, I got that photo, that sort of photo of three generations. Mm. Um, and actually, you know, I had a friend of mine who's, um, I say a friend, he's a Millwall fan, so I keep him at <laughs> arm's length. But um, he said to me, I've seen that photo on your, on your sideboard. And he said, it's absolutely fantastic. And he said, my dad's, his dad had um, terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I think Millwall were in a playoff final or something, and it was his, it was going to be his last game. And he said, I, "I want I want that photo." And he so I managed to get him the tickets because I'm a Wembley season ticket holder as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got him the tickets, and he said it was fantastic. He's now got that photo of his father, him, and his son oh, on his side, or exactly the same. And he says, "Magic moment." He died two months later. And uh, he says it's a magic moment, and it, it really was a fantastic to see. So yeah, we've and that's what it's all about. It's a generational thing. It is. It's about the family. It's about you know, it's, it's you and your son and, and your old man and your, your brother, and it's it, it's and even if it's people haven't got family in that sort of that sort of group, that it's it's the friends they make there, and as you said, you're, you're season ticket holders and the people in front and behind you, and yeah, you. you yeah probably would pass in the street without realizing yeah. but on the saturday at three o'clock or sunday or at seven o'clock or at silly silly times there you you recognize them and you know it's a bob with his bob rule and and Bill yeah. with, his, with his sausage roll and that's yeah. what i think people miss it's so well, even, even my daughter had a, a bit of a phase of coming to matches <laughs> which was nice um and then she had a friend that came along as well and 
last year I was, uh, my dad couldn't make it and my brother couldn't make it for whatever reason. So I had a spare ticket. It was the Man U game. And uh, he popped in the door and I said, well, I've got a ticket going for tomorrow. It's fancy coming along. And he said, yeah, okay. And, well, what a game to start with. Yeah. So I think there was a day we won that. Was it two? Well, Philippe Anderson got the, uh, the, the, the flick, didn't he? Yeah. yeah but last yeah. season or the season before, I, I, I lose track now. I think, I think it's probably last I season. remember, yeah. I think and then got the, 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 the free kick, didn't he? For, I think yes. it was 2 0 we beat them. Yeah. I'm, I'm rubbish when it comes to remembering what seasons what you know just like just a blur yeah. I, remember, I remember the 90s seasons yeah like not as individual i remember like you know it's groups i remember like you know 99 to about 2001 yeah that was fun and then i remember yeah. sort of like you know the allardyce years and and so and then i don't necessarily remember what season goes into what i'm although football shirts i look at by it by the shirt itself so oh yeah that was that was the Canio shirt. I remember him wearing yes. that, and and that's yeah. You remember certain know. people wearing certain shirts. Certain yeah, ways. definitely. For some reason, I have like Jack. I'm um, Jack Collison and Alessandro Diamanti in that horrible checkerboard SBO bet one yes. for a while. That's that. Yeah, for some reason, that's always in my mind. It's really weird. But yeah. um, I was never yeah. a shirt buyer. I mean, I've you know I had shirts as a kid, but as mm. an adult, I've never been. I've never really bought the shirts from every season. Just not done that. I'm not too sure it was the done thing for a while. No, no. I mean, it's a phenomenon. It's a stock birthday present slash and a stock Father's Day present. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's 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 an easy win every year. So the wife knows. Oh, it's the West Ham shirt. Oh, the home shirt, and even the third shirt, maybe. You know, who knows if it's uh, if I've been a good boy that year or whatever. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things that I just yeah. And then I throw them in the back of my closet, and next season. And the other day I got them all out and I was like, oh my God, I've got to start wearing these again. And uh, yeah. I can't get into half of them because, <laughs> because I swear the shirt, yeah, yeah, the shirts were different. These so, Paul, I've still get the door. I'm really, really sorry. I think my two seconds, sorry, I've got to get the door. Okay. We're back. We're back. We'll cut that out. Yeah. What is it with what is it with like ever since we've been on lockdown, we've just decided well, yeah, everyone's decided to buy things, isn't it? And it's like Amazon. Yeah. I think I personally know the Amazon driver now because it's like he comes almost every day now, it's ridiculous. And uh yeah. seems to have a lot of chairs. My wife has a fascination of buying new tables really? and chairs. I don't understand right. it personally. I don't understand it, but hey ho. <laughs> If it's not that, it's not, we've had our whole house redone, like all the bottom, like all the um, floors have been redone and everything's been repainted and oh God, it's a nightmare. Um, yeah. But yes, it's, uh, and then we still got to do work <clears throat> and things like that as well, Paul. That's true, you've got a job in between. You fit it all in as well, it's ridiculous. And then with the, the deluge of West Ham games we've had as well, September was busy. We had a lot of West Ham games in September yeah. with all the friendlies and stuff as well, yeah. but uh, 
Yeah, and then, and then sort of, it's sort of like we've had a famine and feast, or feast and famine. We had all these home games, and then we have nothing until Man City um, in terms of home games. Not obviously, obviously we've got to play, you know, our friends at um, Three Point Lane after yeah. we get back from the thing, which is good. <laughs> and um, and obviously with Wolves, the Wolves game and the Leicester game, and it's always West Ham, isn't it? We always seem to get into a bit of a vein of form, and either the season finishes or it's an international break. Yes, yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, we, we could do without the international break, really, because I thought we was, you know, we were doing okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see how we react when we come back out again. But we're, we're quite good at coming out of lockdowns and, yes. <laughs> and breaks, so we should but, it was, but it's always that first game back. So, like, after, so, you know, after restart, that Wolves game was awful. And then we started getting a bit better. And then this se- the beginning of this season, the Newcastle game was awful. And then we started getting better. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Christ knows who that because obviously it's Tottenham being our game back, I think. So it is. As as we, yeah. yeah, so hopefully yeah. we'll we'll get the boys to be up for that. But uh, yeah, so maybe another clean sheet would be nice. I wonder well, the last time. It's unusual to see so many clean sheets. Um, I've never it really is. Oh, the, the one I mean, I say the one, <laughs> one of the thousand criticisms I have of West Ham. Yeah. Uh, and certainly over the last four or five years, it's just our inability to keep a clean sheet. I mean, every game you know you have to score three to win it. Yeah. So even in the Wolves game, I thought, hmm, 4 0 with a couple of minutes to go. Are we you still are we feel, yeah, you still <laughs> feel like you still intend to. It's ridiculous. It's but what I do like about this team and, and, and this this sort of the current regime is there's always a goal in us. Do you know what I mean? I remember God, I remember sort of the, the you know, sort of when we had like Mike Newell up front and, and yeah. people like that and we didn't yeah. like scoring for Toffee. This team always seems that looks like it's got it's got a goal in it, which is lovely to think even if they go one down oh we know you know we could sue could make a late run into the box or antonio yeah. could bully a defender um yeah i mean even if you look at someone like mark noble who's obviously you know great servant to the club and you know sort of moving towards legendary status at west yeah. ham um he's not really scored many goals is he as a midfielder i mean a lot of pens a lot of pens um but uh can't remember too many outfield goals that he's got no well, in his I mean, early days, he sort of knocked in a few, but um... yeah, I mean, he's on. Was it? He, he, technically, he's our, he's our top Premier League goal scorer. Yes. Forty nine. Uh, yeah, because he's he played five hundred odd games. You know, it's like it's a little bit. You know, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Although Antonio is like third, fourth now, I think. You, you know. Yeah, he's, Antonio he's should do it. Yeah. Well, if you go back over the last, the top ten goal scorers in the Premier League, I mean, they're embarrassing numbers. Yes. Really. Yes. Um, I mean, Andy Carroll was up there. Andy Carroll was up there. I remember having to, we did it for a, one of the game shows. We did um, like Family Fortunes, and uh, yeah, it was top ten goal scorers, Premier League goal scorers for West Ham, and um, Andy Carroll was in there. Freddie Canute was in there. Canute um, and as Trevor Sinclair and people like it was really funny. It was Tricky really Trev. funny. Yeah. Oh, Tricky Trev, God bless him. But uh, no, yeah, it's it's it's. <laughs> well, I, yeah, hopefully, I'd, I'd hope Antonio would probably surpass that this season. Um, the way he's going, um, yeah, he's, as long as he's he get injury. Yes, the thing about I'm always worried about Antonio. He's like literally one injury away from being out for six months, isn't he? He's just he he's is. so fragile for someone so like bulky. Yeah, so fragile. But I think he's changed his game a bit because mm. he used to make those kind of lung-busting waste-of-time runs True. where he, he wanted to be seen to be working hard. So he'd run down the wing and, and, and chase lost causes. But I think the last season or so, he's, he's not really doing that. He's, he's pacing himself quite well. Mm. Um, so now he holds the ball up. There was that great goal against Chelsea, Yarmolenko. 
yeah. ball went into four nails, went to Antonio. He held it up. Normally, he'd sort of done a spin and then tried to, you know, sort of spin off the defender. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's, he's, he seems to be, or maybe because just the position he's playing at the moment, he, he can't <coughs> do those long busters all the time. He has to sort of pick and choose as and when he does it because otherwise yeah, it'll be blowing. And to be honest, I remember like, I think it was the Brentford game or the Bournemouth game in the preseason. He was blowing after about 60 minutes. And I was thinking, I oh, this yeah. isn't looking good. But it's because he was preseason, obviously, but he was overdoing it in very reminiscent of when we signed carlos tevez originally he was all over the bloody pitch yeah. he was useless and he then was. curbs went stay up there and just run when the ball gets to you yes and it worked and right. you know yeah. it's it's a similar thing he's he's picking and choosing those runs now and i mean not being funny he's he's bullied i think it was, he's he scored the most goals since the premier league started restarted since yeah something ridiculous like that absolutely goals, it? top premier well one of five or six top yeah. premier league scorers but um mental yeah he's i mean he's a good he's a sort of typical west ham player really really tries hard leaves everything on the pitch yeah. that's what you want to see yeah. and um i think he's a beast isn't he i wouldn't want to sort of yeah. go up against him as a central defender he really does bully defenders he does but, like, like you know like i mean that, that leicester game johnny evans who's like a good you know good defender johnny evans is you know he made him look silly and i mean the only person who's, who's bullied him was Triore at Wolves when he pushed him over and i was like yeah. wow wow yeah. <laughs> fair play you know what yeah. i mean it's like antonio bulked up a couple of years ago didn't he when he had that yeah. injury and when he came back as you see he was blowing after 10 minutes I mean, he didn't seem to last 15 or 20 minutes in a game mm. but once he got going again because he missed a lot of football um he, he's completely changed but i mean he's fantastic now he's first on the team sheet yeah no definitely so, yeah, it's good it's great to watch because he just gives everything yeah and you know he's and it's it's, it's there's no lost causes you know he'll, he'll yeah. keep because even if it's like 10 yards in front of him he's quick enough to beat most defenders um, he is. so yeah. it's, it's, he's deceptively fast actually very yeah so, and now he's got a bit between his teeth he's sort of i don't know how fast he can run 100 meters in but i suspect no sub 11 up there he'll be up there definitely yeah. anyway talking of team sheets nicely yeah a nice segue let's go on and talk about the ham your hammers 11 pool so, okay as i said the only criteria is that you have to be alive to have seen them play now you know yeah. no, no disrespect paul but you are an experienced fan so you have a nice spread of players congratulations yeah. well done yeah um uh, you can play whatever formation you want any you can pick any players as long as you've been alive seen and play they don't have to be your, the best players be your favorite whatever it's up to you Paul. whatever you want to do yes so, okay well i've got i've got a theme running through nice. it's a very simple theme it's not uh as i say when you're the 195th man on the <laughs> you've heard it all and seen it all but um, I've just gone for the nostalgia, basically. I've gone for those players I saw in the earlier days who you know, kind of meant something to me or did something special or that I look forward to watching. Yeah. So generally speaking, I've missed out on the last even 20, 25 years. Not that I've not been watching West Ham during that time, but the magic in the 30s is different to when you're in your teens. As so when I look back over the team, and I, I, was, I was a lucky man, really, because... There was a bit of a golden age between 76 and mm. 95. We had long servants in the club. They still, they still hold lots of records. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a golden period. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've okay. gone for a sort of traditional four-four-two. Nice. Um, Who's going to be in goal for this nostalgic eleven then, Paul? It's got to be Phil Parks for me. Parks. Um, 
so in the if if you go back to my early days, you know, Merv the Swerve was in goal, as he was known. Mervin Day, um, great keeper for sort of the first six to twelve months, uh, made some great saves. Young, really up and coming keeper, uh, and then he started just sort of hanging around off his line. And there was a game, I was, I was trying to look it up on YouTube and I found it. It's a game against Everton and he gets lobbed from about 45 yards. And standing in the North Bank, we always used to think he was susceptible to this ball where someone literally could just throw it over the top of him. Mm. And they did. And after that, I think he lost confidence. And every time he used to go towards the edge of the penalty, he used to get jeered by the North Bank. Um, and I think he got lobbed again about four or five games later and that was it. So Parkby turned up five hundred sixty-five thousand record goal, you know, record record amounts. Um, I was looking up some facts. I think he holds uh, he holds the record because he's played more than four hundred games for two clubs. He's the only pro to have ever done that. Wow! It's um, because he used to play for QPR, of yeah, course, yeah. for West Ham. So I, I believe that to be true. Wow. So someone can um, sort of check that out. But um, Kent, but, Kent Hammers, Kent know? Irons will be on there. He'll, he'll check it out for you. Yeah, what he used to do was he used to catch the ball. Now you may say, isn't that what keepers do? Merv didn't. He used to punch and parry and flap. Um, but Parks used to catch it and catch it amongst a melee of about five players. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. And we, we know he's a fantastic keeper. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, solid. Yeah, solid, solid we've, stuff. We've been lucky with keepers, haven't we, over the years? We've seen we have been. Of- yeah, I think we really, really have been. Um, and it's been... <clears throat> Apart from, as, as we said before, apart from probably like a six-month period last season, we've done all right for goalkeepers. We've done yeah. all right, Mr. Roberto. Um, yes. And obviously, he, I mean, Parks, he celebrated his 70th during lockdown, didn't he? So, um, yeah. Yeah, so fair play. Again, I just can't believe a player I used to watch is now in his 70s. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's, it yeah. doesn't. That time has flown in, in no time at all. No, yeah. And he grew back his mullet just for his seven just for his birthdays. Yeah, yeah. Marie told me that's what she he did, but bless him. But uh, yeah, good old Parksy. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, when we when we get when everything's a bit sorted, we're we're gonna go and uh yeah, I've been promised uh, to do and then like, Hammers eleven at his bar oh, in, okay. in his house. So, we'll, right. so yeah, so good. yeah. That, I've got a, I don't know whether I can show you this, but I've got a bit of a memento. This is the uh oh, Whoa. That's it. There we go. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first ever game. Oh wow! So that's, that's Bristol. Nice. I kept the program for my first ever game, and uh, that's oh, yeah. Bristol City. And that well, that shows you the kind of team we had. But can you see that? Is that no, it's right? a bit fuzzy. I can see Mervyn Day, but I think it's no, nah, it's a bit fuzzy. Yeah, no, it's too fuzzy. So the camera's not that great. But um, so yeah, Mervyn Day was in goal. Do you remember at Anton Otulikowski? No. Uh, He's now a coach, I think, somebody, somewhere. Wow. Uh, but those are the days where um, uh, Alan Kerbisley was in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Moving Day, obviously, Kerbisley came together as a coaching team, but they were, yes. they were side back then. So. They did. They certainly did, bless them. Um, right, so we'll put Parksy in. Uh, <clears throat> let's, let's go left back then. Paul. So left back, um, I've gone for someone slightly more modern, but it, it's Julian Dix. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I used to love about Julian Dix is that after about he used to he never used to warm up as as I've heard yeah. since. So you could never understand why he used to just sort of stand around and you know sort of make out, he's just sort of kicking the ball. But after about ten minutes, you knew he was going to put somebody into the chicken run, and in his early part of his career, 
that was those were the days where you know you could do that so the right winger would come down you think he looks a bit tricky and then dixie would literally put him into the chicken run literally yeah. put him into the first three rows and you think well that's over that's over for him he's, he's not coming down there again and he never did so there was always that sense of excitement for the first 10 minutes of watching julie dick aside from all the other things he used to do it was a great player he used to score goals from all angles penalties were unbelievable mm. um but it was just that moment where you used to think right he's really going to sort of take this player out i used to get sort of quite excited about that but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. can't do it nowadays no you can't do a red card yeah exactly or var would pick it up afterwards wouldn't they but uh, <laughs> he and also what julian you know obviously watching a lot of um like Robert Banks, he put all the season pre, you know, season reviews on YouTube and stuff, and they get taken down. He puts them back up again. Um, he scored a lot of headers in corners. You know, he, yeah. he'd score a lot of corners, and uh, never really thought of him as a corner for some reason. I had this sort of again, sort of like fuzzy memory of him hang, being the one who hangs back outside the box. But no, yeah. he was the one getting a lot of headers in, and uh, yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. But yeah, Julian, what a man! And obviously, yeah. you know, it was, and he's he shares the same birthday as Phil Parks. Does he? Okay. So there you go. He's, he was 50, I think he was the same age as you. He was 52, I think he was this year. Yeah, it's a shame he did his knee in, didn't he? But I yeah. mean, his knee must be a bit, must be in about a thousand bits, I would imagine. But uh, yeah. And he became a dad as well. Yes. Again. Twitter, yeah. those, those are great photos. Great photos. Beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Because that's exactly what you need, isn't it? When you're just yeah. about to you know, spearhead West Brom's Premier League survival is, is a newborn baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's do it easy, bless him. Right, okay, we'll put Jules in. Let's go right back then, Paul. Let's go to the other side. Uh, it can only be Tonka, Ray Stewart. Yep. Um, so, uh, again, I've got to, I don't know how clear this is, but... I can see him. I can see a picture of him, yeah. That's the vision I have of Ray Stewart. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of flying. This is the uh, programme for 79, 80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that first programme, by the way, was 10 pence. Um, so, uh, obviously, you know, a good right back, but penalty taking, I mean, must be one of the greatest penalty takers of all time, isn't he? he must 81 be. out of 86. Um, mm. I was looking up as well. The, um, he missed one penalty at home, one. Wow. Um, and of the f other five that he missed away, he scored two of them on rebounds. Rebounds. <laughs> so, but I mean, how many other, I mean, Noble's a good penalty taker. He hasn't taken yeah, 86. I mean, in because they did something the other day, and it was Noble was the third in in the modern day. In the Premier League, yeah. yeah, I'm talking it, about all time. No, yeah, but I think they did a, a, like a European thing, and Mark Noble was like the third or fourth best penalty taker. Yeah. in European football, oh, he yeah. was beating Ronaldo, he was beating Messi, or you know, it was it was mental. But Ray Stewart, they didn't if they did it, they would have been up the top, surely. Yeah, I've got to. Um, yeah, I don't know where it is actually, but uh, again, I've got another. Got a program here somewhere. It's um oh there it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's that one there. That's the Ipswich Town game of yeah. '86, uh, which is probably one of my greatest memories of West Ham ever. Really? Um, that was the we we're going for the title. You probably heard this story before. Going for the title, I think about the third game from the end of the season. We we're winning everything in sight. There must have been forty thousand packed into Upton Park that night. It was absolutely bristling. We're playing Ipswich Town, who are a good side, but I think they were about fourth or fifth from bottom, so we thought it would be an easy win. And then I've got a feeling it was Alvin Martin made a mistake for the first goal, and they went 1-0 up, and then we just we started, we just absolutely battered them for about half an hour. Yeah, yeah. I think Alan Dickens got an absolute beauty right outside the area to make it one all. 
and about 10 minutes from the end, Ray Stewart got the penalty. Very dodgy penalty, I think, for Mark Ward, who probably took a bit of a dive, but um, fell over. And uh, as I said, we were standing right behind the goal, and it felt like he absolutely thumped that into mm. the net. You could almost hear the stands falling over behind. The crowd went. If you ever look it up on YouTube, it's an absolute riot. Definitely. They're one of the best nights I've ever had. And at the end, we actually all ran onto the pitch, which never happened, actually, at West Ham, um, because we thought we were going to go on and win the league. Uh, that's how we all felt at the time. Um, yeah. And then I think we... I think we went up to Everton and lost 3-0. I think it was shattered from that night. And we blew the next game, lost 3-0, and it was all over. It was a Quite massive anticlimax. But yeah, um, yeah. So I remember driving, you know, my dad driving past the bowling pub that night and everyone was standing on the tables and dancing. And it was, it was an absolute fantastic Crazy. So, yeah. so race there's something about Ipswich, isn't it? We always because we always end up playing Ipswich in in the Championship <clears throat> playoffs and stuff like that in in the in modern day in the modern era, so to speak. And it's always yeah. a cracking atmosphere there. Everyone talks about obviously those Ipswich playoff games in terms of atmosphere and stuff. And it's yeah, uh, yeah. something about Ipswich. There's something about it. A little trip down the, the A12, isn't it? Which, yeah, know, it's easy to get to, and it's, it's like a derby. It's like a derby, really. It is almost, isn't it, for a lot of people, particularly. You know, I mean. You know, people living on the M11, you know, type thing as well. You know, sort of the Essex area. It's even even yeah. closer, isn't it? But bless them. Right. Okay. We'll put uh, Mr. Stewart in. Um, okay. Again, hopefully we'll have him on the channel soon when when everything's sorted. He doesn't yeah. do Zoom. He told me, bless him. I don't do Zoom. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, All right, right, Togs. No worries, man. Yeah. Love you. Only, uh, only non-English player, wasn't he, to play in the three finals as well? Yes. Remember that? So uh, again, that's incredible. Is, is, I mean, and, that, and that's why these guys have got to be cherished. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, not that many of them, are, obviously, the 80s and stuff, 80 team and stuff. And, um, you know, it's and it's great because all them lots still meet up and they still chat to each other on the phone and text. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's such a nice team spirit they still have, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Put Tonks in. Let's go centre half. So, who's your first centre half, Paul? Centre half, Billy Bonds. I mean, yep. uh, in, in the in the late seventies, he was he played as a centre half. I know he started out his career as a midfielder, so that's how a lot of the more even more experienced fans than me remember him. But I remember him as a centre half. Started out with a guy called Tommy Taylor um, uh, when I first started watching. But you know, Billy Bonds almost was it eight hundred appearances. Um, you know, just uh, again, I've got uh, these are these are my programs I've got from the earlier days. Brilliant. So uh, that was uh, what was that? That was Birmingham, Birmingham City, City 77. Yeah. This, I, I love this one. I don't know if this character's still around, but uh, it's not that clear. Yeah, that, that poor kid looks absolutely frightening. <laughs> I can see why Billy Bond yeah. frightening character, but he was always he was always Trevor Brooking's um, henchman, basically. Yes, yeah. Always, you know, Trevor Brooking never really used to make tackles, and people always used to try and lay one on Trevor Brooking. And if they ever did, again, as a, as a standing in the North Bank, you used to think, Bonzi's going to have a go now. He's not going to let that go. So, and I remember one one particular game against Newcastle where he was having a go with Peter With Peter With, massive sort of striker, very hard. And they absolutely went sort of 10 bails for the whole game. It was a very, very tough game. And it was one of those games where I think they ended up having a massive fight. And... Um, but you, you could never get sent off in the 70s. You had to basically, you had to be an axe man to, to, you know, to get sent off. You could do anything. So I don't think I ever saw us sending off. But I think on this one occasion, both Peter Weir and Billy Bonds 
thought they were going to get sent off because they were basically just windmilling each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they, Billy Bonds went right over to Peter with, grabbed him by the arm and started doing Strictly Come Dancing and dancing off. It's a brilliant bit. It's, I think it's on YouTube. It's a brilliant bit of footage. But that summed up Billy Bonds. You know, he's just a great character, hard as nails, but fair. And, you know, just gave everything for the shirt, you know. And yeah. I saw it in good years. He was 77 to you know, when he gave up, um, 88. So, well, he started in 67. So, I, you know, I, was, I saw him when he was already 10 years into his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still saw another, you know, sort of. 15 odd years out of it crazy so, isn't um, it crazy and obviously okay. then he came back and, and managed as well so you know yeah. It's just, yeah and obviously the the whole you know stan being named after him and stuff last season and that was um, fantastic yeah i saw him probably it? a couple of years ago i mean i've forgotten how tall he is he's about six two six three well we know how he's six six foot two yeah. his eyes are blue you know three, of course he is, yeah and uh <laughs> he's still a rake as well he keeps he must keep himself he fit. looks he looks so fit. I mean, even when you know, I've interviewed players who were who were being managed by him, and he was still beating them at Hainault, you know, cross country pre seasons and stuff. And if your manager who is fifty odd is still, whoever he was, still still beating you, it's like, yeah, yeah, he was just fit as a fiddle. Still looks fit as a fiddle, doesn't he? Well, well, I saw him at a bash, and he was talking about the, um, uh, you know, does does he go back to watch West Ham? He said it doesn't really because he's got his grandchildren and everything like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But he had sort of similar views to me. So once all those kind of dockers went from the chicken run, it all changed, and it was never really the same going back. It was a it was a different sort of uh, band of fans. But going yeah. back and having the stand named after him, I think he realised there were the old guys are still out there. You know, my dad's still there, and yeah. uh, you know, he'd seen his from he'd seen him from the beginning. So um, so I think course, sort of might, yeah. might have changed his opinion a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it, he's a family. I mean, even that, that last game at the bowling, he, you know, he, he famously turned around and went home because yes. of all the, all the trouble and uh, yeah. didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell anyone. <laughs> famously, he didn't have a mobile phone. And uh, it was only his, his right. daughter or something texted us to say he wasn't coming. And we're like, well, yeah. okay, Billy, well, okay, we got spare taxi. <laughs> Cause yeah, because they were coming yeah. out of the taxis, weren't they? Oh, god, bless yeah. him! But no, yeah, Billy Bonds, lovely bloke, right? Okay, who's Bonds? Are you going to partner in the middle? Uh, Alvin Martin, so almost 600 games yeah. again, 78 to 96, just right in my era. Um, took over from probably Tommy Taylor, who's a bit sluggish on his feet. Mm. Alvin Martin was just a great ball player, but I remember that extras game particularly where he was up against Terry Butcher. And um, uh, who's the other big defender that um, uh, Ipswich used to have? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, oh, there's a Russell Russell Osman. Osman. They were a big guy, really good in the air. But Mm. the thing about Alvin Martin, you you miss it nowadays. You see it on corners. He never used to miss a corner. The ball Mm. used to smash against his head, and he used to used to be like a clearance. Used to go to the centre circle. Absolutely fantastic. So you know, great on the floor fantastic in the air and even in his like, older days and i don't know what age he retired at mid 30s early i don't know must, must be late but, 30s um, i reckon yeah. he he was still just giving it everything you know i don't yeah. think he ever saw a bad game from him uh, no so, yeah. yeah and obviously with when billy when billy had did his stand alvin did the pa didn't he so yeah um yeah. you know still lives around these parts and um you know and i you know not from not from around here but he became an adopted Cockney and still yeah. lives in the area, and yeah, it's it's lovely. And yeah, as you said, there's not many, there's not many players. I mean, you have got 
two double testimonials there in centre yeah. positions. It's not too shabby. No, no. That's the thing. I missed out Frank Lampard Senior as left back. I mean, of he course, played yeah. 600 odd games. So, yeah. but. Um... Yeah, yeah. it's an era where players hang around for a long time. It's true. I mean, Tony, I mean, Tony Gary said that every year he was there was bar one was a testimonial year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course he was right. But yeah, it's it was a common thing, wasn't it? Having a testimonial. Yeah. Now it's just, well, very, very, very rare. Mark Noble is the exception to the rule, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, right, let's go into midfield then, Paul. Let's go left midfield. Left midfield, probably one of the greatest players I've seen, Alan Devonshire. Yeah. Um, so again, saw him from, uh, you know, his early days, uh, played from 76 to 90, over 360 games, um, didn't score many goals actually, he got about 29, 30 goals, felt mm. like he scored more. Yeah. The thing about Ellen Devonshire is he was one of those players where the crowd would have a, a sharp intake of breath whenever he got the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd literally gasp. I hate to put them in the same breath, but Payet was a bit like that. I know what you mean, yeah. Um, you know, the, the crowd used to literally gasp and think something's going to happen, and it always did with Devo. But he had such great balance, poise, and he always was always looking to create something. He would never get this ridiculous sort of sideways and backwards. He would always go at the defender. Uh, and he used to play this lovely ball into the box. He'd always put the ball into the box on the floor to the striker. Yeah. And it was always dangerous because you knew once that ball was in the box, it could be a pen or something had to happen. But he'd then chase after his own pass. Yeah. So the ball would be held up and then he would, you know, then the ball would be played to him. But just a fantastic, skillful player. I mean, yeah. there was a time, not so much in the early, it took a bit, it took a time to get going. But he had an absolute golden period of about three years where he thought he could do anything. And we probably won the FA Cup during that time. And you should just think he could take on the whole team. Yeah. yeah. And Trevor Brookin used to work as a pair. Trevor Brookin always used to look for him and would always find him on the pitch. He was just an incredible player. Um, and unluckily had, a, I think, a ligament injury um, and could have gone on to probably play for England many times. Mm. Got him really in his prime. Yeah. Uh, he was never Doesn't quite happen. the same player after that. He was Doesn't a good lot, player, but never quite the same. So. No, you're right. And it doesn't happen that we... Or even the even in modern day, apart from Mr. Pyatt, is probably the only time he's in in maybe in my lifetime that we've got a player who's we get him at the right time when they hit their prime. We always seem yeah. to we always seem to be the bookends. You know, we'll get we'll get yeah. Teddy at like three two or three seasons if we're lucky, or Stuart Pearce or Nigel Winterman, or we'll go and get you know Joe Cole or Ngakia or, or something you know, at the beginning of their career. Never that sort of prime moment and. Um, no. Yeah, what was Devo, he, £5,000? I mean, he's got to be the greatest yeah. greatest purchase of all time. Although, interesting enough, when we interviewed him, he he earned more when he was at the um, at the factory than, yeah. uh, than he did oh, when right. he was playing football. Massive. <laughs> Crazy yeah. nowadays, if you think about it. But, uh, yeah, Devo put Dev in. And actually, I think when we interviewed Macca and Cotty, they both said exactly the same thing, that Devo's advice would be, oh, yeah, I'd always have three men on me. But I'll flick it right. She said, like, I'll flick it along the floor. Yeah. And you latch onto it. And um, he yeah. said, that was his spill, what he said to all of them, apparently. But, yeah. Uh, he used to float along the floor. In my eyes, he used to float yeah. along the floor. He just he used to eat up ground. Actually, when, when Felipe Anderson turned up, I used to think he had sort of some of the traits of Alan Devonshire. Mm. Mm. Again, I, you know, I hesitate to mention them in the same breath because you're talking. I you mean that, yeah. Chalk and cheese. When I first saw Anderson, I thought that's the closest I've seen to kind of a Devo type player. Yeah. 
never never turned out that way. It's like, but there, there are there's some great players. I mean, I obviously not West Ham related, but I remember when when Henri was in his when he was in his prime yeah. and he'd come down to Upton Park and he would look like he was skating yes. over the grass. Yeah. And and I think it's it's a certain player that's at their level that it looks like they're doing that. As you said, like Devo was doing that, but he wasn't yeah. doing it on a nice pitch. He was doing it on absolute sandbank, you know, of a yeah. pitch as well. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it no, I know. It was rolled mud. It was rolled mud in the 70s. That's yeah, what yeah. Probably flat, but mud. <laughs> Yeah, that's what Macca said. He's like, go on, we talk about the football and the, how the game's changing. Go and watch us turn over Chelsea uh, 4-0 and look at the state of that Stamford yeah. pitch. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went and did it. Well, Devo really got, I think, a great goal that game. He Absolutely. did, yeah, yeah. You know, 25, 30-yarder, fantastic. You know, that yeah, was, good man. That was right. Okay, i put Devo on the left. Who's going to go the other wing then? Who's going to go on the right wing for you? Um, I've gone for it's, tr- it's tricky because you know you obviously have to leave out many many great players, but um, I'll sure. put Mark Ward. Yeah. So Mark Ward is just he's just one of those players in that '86 season who just lit the sort of touch paper, yeah. and um, he was just I used to think he was really the heartbeat of the team in the '86 season mm. um, because he was just he used to bomb down that wing and take on three or four players. Um, but he was such a tackler as well, just such an aggressive tackler. I used to see him coming, used to sort of see him coming towards you and think, crikey, you know, how do you stop this man? He's just, he's unstoppable. And then he would lose the ball every now and every now, very rarely, but when he did, and then he'd start hassling the defender. You think, my God, he just never, he never gives it up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, he was superb. 170 odd games, um, but for that 86 season, he was just mm. unbelievable. Um, really, probably set that season alight. Uh, aside from you know the others, Alan Dickens and Devo, yeah. Devo and what have you, but um, yeah, Brilliant. great, just a great runner. There's another similar player, Stuart Slater. Yeah, who was skillful again. Used to come down that 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 channel, um, but uh, yeah, I could have put Trevor Sinclair in there. I absolutely love, you know. Um, Possibly Paolo, some on the wing somewhere, but uh, yeah, Mark Ward for for what no, what I felt right. at the time, you know, I always felt yeah, within yeah. the team we were, and also he was a good away day player. Yeah, so, you know, he was, you know, the team back in '86 would win away matches. <laughs> Throughout West Ham's history, we haven't won many of those. No. So, um, and oh, Wardy was a was yeah, a terrier. Good old Wardy. Um, right, let's go into the centre then, centre midfield. So, you, who's your first centre midfielder? Then, Paul? yeah, I've gone for Sir Trev. Um, absolute, you know, again, fantastic player. Uh, I used to see, I used to see this sort of mess on the football field of players, and then Trevor Brooklyn used to get the ball. And when I say get the ball, he never used to take a first touch. He had this way, and again, look it up on YouTube. He had this way of sort of swaying his body, and he'd let it run past him. Every player knew he was going to do it, but you just never knew he was going to do it every time. It was just incredible. And then he would be running onto the ball because he'd have a lot of pace. Yeah. Um, and you'd see this melee of players, and you'd probably see, I don't know, David Cross running across the box. And suddenly Trevor would sort of play this ball right down the middle and cut out about six players. And you'd think that, that's why he's in the England side. He was yeah. just amazing. I mean, he, you know, he was probably our best player at that time. Devo was exciting, but Trevor Brooking was probably our best player at that moment. And yeah. yeah, incredible player. I met him about two or three years ago for the first time. 
I had my 1980 FA Cup final program in absolute pristine condition. Oh. I kept it flat over the years in the loft. It was it was, it was like the, the day I bought it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I gave it to him. I said, Trevor, you've got to sign it. He said, this is immaculate. You can't, I can't ruin it. I said, you're Trevor Brookie. You scored the winner. I said, I want you to sign it. And he signed it. And he signed it beautifully. He didn't just sort of yeah, scribble yeah, yeah. over it, you know, to dear Paul from, you know, Trevor Brooking. <clears throat> and, um, and, you know, people always say, don't meet your heroes. I can tell you now, Trevor Brooking is worth meeting. He's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah everyone uh, says what a gentleman he is, isn't he? He is uh, an absolute gent. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. So, I mean, he'll always claim that, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt was his greatest game, I think, uh, which I missed by about a year. Yeah. Um, but I saw him play sort of many sort of just good games of football. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, That's right. Fantastic. So Trevor's in. Who's, who's Trevor going to partner in that middle? This was, that was again, that was a tricky one. Loads of different players. But I've gone for a bit of a left fielder, um, which is um, Jeff Pike. Oh, Jeff Pike. Jeff Pike. Good old uh, Jeff. Just because. Just because, again, it just it meant so much to us at that time. Yeah. You know, he played from 74 to 87. So I saw him again in his pomp. Mm. Um, over, I think, 380-odd appearances. Wow. Scored 32 goals. Scored more goals than Devo. Um, but more than that, uh, again, I'll show you this. Norwich City. Norwich City. One of my early programs. Um, that was a game. That was my second game. Third game at West Ham, so mm -hmm. Bristol City, Birmingham, I think, and then Norwich. It was one of those games as a kid where I don't really remember too much about the first two games. I remember Billy Jennings scoring at Bristol City. But uh, on that third game, it was nil-nil with about 10 minutes to go. And uh, the ball went to the edge of the box, and Jeff Pike thumped it in. And I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is West Ham. This is, what, this is a team I can now get behind. And uh, what a goal. I think I saw it on YouTube years later, and all he did was stroke it into the corner. <laughs> but, but, but as a kid, I could barely kick it five yards. So yeah, yeah. pump it 18 yards, I used to think that was incredible. But the thing about Jeff Pike is whenever he scored a goal, he was so elated. He was always so excited about scoring. He, he had about 29 different celebrations. Yeah, yeah. I used to run half out the pitch when he scored. He was just, uh, it was such a it's, workhorse. It's a bit like Pablo Fornells <laughs> now. They did a little thing, a montage of Fornells. Yeah. Fornells yeah. is, is today's Jeff Pike. He's there we go. You don't think he's setting the world alight, but actually behind the scenes, he's working away and, yeah. and scoring goals and setting stuff up. I used to love Jeff Pike. He scored that great goal, didn't he? Him and Waldy, where Man United. The Man United goal, the where they mishit it, and yes. they, they they we have had them both on the channel. And they they both claimed, and they said, "Oh yeah, on the interview we we said, yeah, that, yeah it was meant to be a goal, it's like an eighteen yard eighteen yard header." Well, yeah, Pike, exactly, another yeah. one. I think it was against Walls. We hit the bar, and the keepers sort of fell on the floor, went up in the air, and the ball spanned back, and it hit the six yard box, and then spanned back into the goal. And uh, it's yeah, but he used to get lots of. Really tricky goal. It used to be good going around the keeper. You don't see that so much going around the keeper nowadays. No, no, they don't do that. It used to be really good at that. Just you know, just flick it past the keeper and then tuck it in. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great, great fan oh, of Jeff Pike. Pike so, right. Good shout. All right, put Pike in. Let's go up front then, Paul. Who's your first striker? Yeah, again, some of the younger fans won't necessarily have heard him, heard of him, but uh, David Cross. Ah, oh, the original psycho. Psycho. Um, the channel. So uh, yeah, this is. Uh, where are we? Look at that. Very nice. Wow, look at Crossy there. Crossy, look at those legs. Oh, 
Good old, so, good old friend of the channel, David. He's a lovely, yes, yeah, I love, yeah, I love David person. Cross. Um, yeah. So again, uh, seventy-seven to eighty-two, hundred eighty odd games, scored seventy-eight goals. He, was he, scored, he scored 99 goals in all competitions. Did he? Because I got that wrong. I got that stat. And he went, okay. oh, I think find it's 99. I was like, sorry. Yeah, on, on Wiki, they just give you the league games. They do. Uh, they do. That's, a, they that's a hell of a hit rate. It is. Um, I'll tell you the thing about David Cross. Um, he used to be, I used to think, as good with his head as he was, was with his feet. Mm. So the goal kicks used to come over and used to glance the header on to whoever else was up front in the early days. It probably Pop Robson um, used to glance it. And I used to think, wow, most strikers used to just thump it with their head and used to go all over the place. Mm. He used to kind of glance it or nod it down. Mm. I don't know how many goals he scored with his head, but he was absolutely deadly with his head. Um, and he used to get into really what I call like nasty positions. Mm. He used to get in between two defenders, you know, waist height, knee coming up and you know he'd be diving in yeah. uh goals where you think came out literally it would, it would turn an average cross into a into a beauty um just uh yeah in those days we used to just love david cross just deadly i think we caught him at the kind of back end of his career so yeah. he, he had his peak you know a good peak at west ham but um i don't i'd have to look it up but 27 28 26 i don't know but obviously played i think was he west Bromwich when he came from yeah, I think he came from West Brom. I think it was his first game he played for us was against West Brom or something yeah. like that. Um, definitely his first Upton Park game, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, a, a, an incredible bloke. Lovely he used to game. get loads of different goals as well. Volleys, mm. headers, tappings, you name it, scrambles. So uh, Yeah, so Cross is in there. Cross is in. Who's Cross going to partner? Well, again, just quite a few to choose from but just just for the era and you know what he did for the club tony cotty tc because yeah, I, I remember him coming through um and if there was an olympic tournament for the the five yard dash yeah tony yeah. cotty would win it because i remember those balls being played through at the edge of the penalty area and think if tony cotty was in line with the defender that's basically a goal it's basically a goal because over five yards no one would catch him and uh, and he just and he was a breath of fresh air because I'd see Pot Robson used to be almost bald, and as a kid I used to think he must have been about sixty two as a player. And when I look back at the stats, he's probably just twenty nine losing his hair a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and David Cross used to look sort of kind of a grizzled player. I used to think yes. he must be about fifty <laughs> <laughs> as a kid. But Tony Cotty came through seventeen or something, so like, yeah. straight off the you know straight off the production line started scoring goals um and i was gutted when he left actually i used to think he was be a west west ham forever and never really seen many west ham players leave in my own mind but no. uh, he went to everton but did well at everton did, did as well at everton it did at west ham but but never won anything no and i always used to think he could have done that at west ham and, and been a super legend yeah uh, but, uh, you know, he was still, for those years he was around, you know, his strike rate was great. Uh, oh, yeah. And obviously, yeah, he, he was one of the ones, obviously he came back, uh, the boomerang effect came back and, and and did well on the second spell for us as well. Oh, there he is. Was that in there? Yeah. That was in there, yeah. There he is. Well, uh, so. And again, that pony, that pony top with that blue tick. I, yeah. I think of Tony Cotty in that one. It's really Taking funny. Loafers on the front. So but, funny with Dagenham Motors, but um, yeah, no, top top bloke, and um, 
Yeah, he's uh, and he's he's really into his stats. Is is old Tony, um, a real stats man? And when we interviewed him, he, he was telling us something like that's eighties five, that boys of eighty six team. Um, there's something like twelve or so records, club records they still yeah. uh, like still yeah. hold, like most away wins, most home wins, and stuff like that. It's incredible. Well, I used to be a big fan of Paul Goddard. He was a, yeah. he was a- Really good striker, and I think at the beginning of that season he got injured. Yeah, he did. And, Mac- and that allowed McAvenny to come in from midfield to, mm. to basically playing. I think he played like a number ten, originally, uh, basically a striker. Um, yeah. That changed the whole season, believe it or not. It's, yeah, crazy. Uh, hard it? to believe, but um, yeah, that's yeah. it, man. That's it, Paul. That's the eleven. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the eleven. So um, yeah, that's I've brilliant. really enjoyed your shows. Actually, They've thank really- you. Breath Thank of you very much. Yeah. Oh, it's great. An hour and ten has flown by without thinking, about blinking, Paul. It's a long time. It's, a long it's all time. No, it's all fun and games. We love it. So thank you. I really, really appreciate um appreciate your time or anything. Um okay. and obviously appreciate your support for the channel, Paul. It's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. obviously thank you to everyone for watching as well. Um if you're watching or you've been listening on the on the podcast or on YouTube, whatever, give it a like, give it a share, give it a subscribe. Um and until next time for me and Paul. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. That's very important at the moment. Come on, you irons, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.